you know, this, this uh, passage of Scripture, Paul does something that's uh, it's uncharacteristic for, it seems like for Paul, it seems uncharacteristic for much of what you would see in the, in the Bible. Even, I, I think I would say, in some ways a little bit uncharacteristic for the Jesus way. And it's Paul who, for some reason, has the motivation to, I guess, fight back a little bit. And he's fighting back for himself. So much of what we learn about Jesus and the scripture and Bible and he's, you know, fighting for others and, you know, turn the other cheek and... But Paul kind of, it's like he reached his threshold. You ever reached your threshold? <laughs> and you're like, you're trying to be quiet. I'm trying to be quiet. Okay, no, I can't be quiet anymore. Um, this, is, this is Paul reaching his limit, it seems like. I, I, I can't say I can speak for his motivation, but as you read this, you'll see it, it starts to come up. And Paul is, in, it's, in, it's in First and Second Corinthians both, but in 2 Corinthians, it gets pretty intense where Paul is defending himself because there are people, he had this ministry where he would go and share the good news with people and other people, perhaps they were jealous at his success, perhaps um, they just didn't agree with him. Whatever their motivations were, they started to attack him. They started to say that he wasn't legit. And this, this happens in a way to all of us in life where God makes you, he gives you a gift, he gives you something to do with your life and you go to do that with your gift and people don't always embrace it. They don't always accept it. In fact, sometimes you're attacked for being different or being unique. And so Paul was under attack and he decides to defend himself. Maybe Paul did it for himself. Maybe Paul, have you ever had to give yourself a pep talk? Um, yeah, yes, you have. Oh, yes, you have. You, you've, you've come under the gun, and then you got to a point in life when you said, I have got to rally myself. I got to talk myself up. I have to believe in myself. And this is key because sometimes we worry too much about what others think and Paul this is 2 Corinthians 11 he says I hope you will put up with a little of my foolishness but you're already doing that he's already been down this path and he's, he's kind of he's like was it a sin for me to lower myself in order to elevate you in other words, Paul says, I, you know, there's a saying, take the high road. Don't lower yourself to their way. You heard this, right? And that's, no, I, I normally recommend that. In fact, I always recommend that. But for some reason, Paul decides to go there. This is interesting. It's worth noting. Why did Paul go there? Why did he feel the need to talk back to these people who were, to, I mean, this is the Apostle Paul. I mean, you have, any Christians here? Just checking all right jesus and paul right i mean i mean they don't get much bigger 
And you would think, this guy has nothing to say to anybody. This guy has no need to defend himself to anybody. But for some reason, Paul decides, I'm going to have to go there. And he goes, I hope you'll put up with my foolishness. He goes, verse 6, he goes, but I do not think I am in the least inferior to these super apostles. I'm not inferior to them. Why did he say that? Probably people were saying that he was, and perhaps he was starting to feel that he was. Perhaps Paul wrote this for others, and perhaps he wrote it a little bit for himself. I may not be a trained speaker. Sounds like they were attacking what? Paul's public speaking ability. I may not be a trained speaker. Anybody here go for training public speaking? Just, just so that you know what you're in for. I did really bad in public speaking, just so that you know. It's a very tough class. Anybody ever take it? It's a tough class. I mean, they had an English professor. He was English, English, British English. And how you know my British English is not so hot? I have Flint English. Anybody know the difference? And, and we didn't see eye to eye. And I remember, I, I remember going to this class, and he had this just stern. He was, he was as British as you got, you know. And, and I mean, I admire that. I wish I could talk like that. Does anybody hear someone with a British accent and wish you could talk like that? I, I admire it. I think, man. I mean, if he wasn't 70-something, I would say, man, the girls this guy must get with his accent, you know? And he would just, but he'd sit in the back of the class like this, and one of the guys got up there, and, and kids would start to shake in this class. And they'd go up there, and they literally, I could see them start to tremble. And I wasn't even, I hadn't even gone yet, and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. And the whole class revolves around, you just work up to, like, one speech. And uh, this kid gave up, and he gave his trembling speech, you know, and then... The professor, he sat down, and then it was dead silent, and there was no one standing in the front, and the professor was sitting in the back of the class, and he said, you just swore, and the whole class just got dead silent. This is a Bible college. <laughs> we don't know. He used some word that he considered a curse word, right? And no one knew what to do. You know what I mean? From that time on, we were, ter- we were all just terrified to get up there. Now, this has happened more than once, where it seems like Paul... Maybe he wasn't so polished as a speaker. Isn't that interesting? I mean, probably if I took a survey before I read that verse, most of us would say, well, he, he probably had people eaten out of his hand. I mean, there's a story in the book of Acts where a guy fell asleep in his sermon and falls out a window. True. So maybe Paul had a unique gift a unique passion. But he decides, I need to say this. He goes, I feel like, he goes, I feel like a fool doing this, but I'm going to go on. And he continues. Listen to what he says. He says, these guys are masquerading as apostles. He goes, I repeat, let no one take me for a fool. But if you do, then receive me just as you would a fool, so I may do a little boasting. In this self-confident boasting, I am not talking as the Lord would. Isn't this great? He just puts it out there. The way I'm talking, this is the way Jesus would talk, but I'm just going to have to go there for a minute. I don't know if he's excusing himself for the sin he's about to commit. I don't know if he says, I don't care. I've had enough. Anybody ever been there? Some of you are so spiritual because it's Sunday, you would never admit. 
But at the fine, you get to a place where you're like, I, I got to say something here. And this is where Paul was. He goes, I got to say something. I'm not talking the way the Lord would. He wouldn't talk this way. But I'm going to anyway. <laughs> he does. He goes, what anyone else dares to boast about. And he goes, I'm speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. He goes on. I'm out of my mind to talk like this. Are you getting the tone of this one? He goes, I can't believe I'm doing this. I am more. I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely. He goes on to say, five times I received the 40 lashes minus one. You know what the 40 lashes minus one? It was 40 lashes for being disobedient, whipped 40 times. They took one away just to make sure they didn't overdo it. So kind. Anybody see the passion of the Christ? The hardest part of the movie, I think, for most people to watch is Jesus being flogged. Why would anybody do that? I mean, let's be honest. Most of us, if Paul was so passionate, his passion was sharing the gospel of Christ. And particularly, Paul had a passion for sharing it. This is an important little detail with the Gentiles. Peter, Galatians 2, verse 7 and 8, it just talks about, Peter had a calling to the, the Jewish brothers. Paul had a calling to the Gentiles. This is interesting. Why is it that one person cares about one thing and another person cares about another? Have you noticed this? For some reason, you just care. For some reason, Paul cared passionately about sharing this with the Gentiles. Peter, it seemed, cared about sharing it with his Jewish brothers and sisters. Which brings me to a very important thing about you and me. God puts something inside of you that you need to pay attention to. Your passions. The stuff that you care about deeply. And the stuff that you care about deeply is going to be different than the person next to you and the things that I care about deeply. It's not important that we care about the same things. It's important that you figure out what passion God put inside of you. Passion is what fuels you. I was, I was reading a story this morning about... Um, a kid, um, his name was Michael, and he, he was uh, 10 years old when he graduated from college, 10 years old. Holds the Guinness Book World Record. Graduate from college at 10 years old. His dad said he was speaking at four months, reading at eight months. They said he had, this is what he had, a rage for learning. Sounds like your kid's. A rage. That's how he described it. He was in a fit of rage. But they, they, they went on to talk about, they said, you know, and people that are wired up a certain way, it was like an addiction for his brain. Learning new things, it engaged him, it connected him. Anybody have a kid that's been addicted to a video game? Okay. They're connecting. This is worth thinking about. They're connecting to it. They're engaging it. They can't, it's like they can't let it go. You're calling for dinner 17 times. 
Anybody ever break anything? I said, right? Because they are connected. They said, this is how this kid's brain worked. He connected it. Just everything just fired. And the more you fed it, right, the more engaged he got in it. So they talk about things like, you know, you could be really good if you just studied. And that's true. There's all kinds of documented evidence that if you put time in and you focused and you just studied, what's the problem? They don't want to study. It's the first time. They don't care about studying. They don't want to. They're not interested in it. What interests you is one of the most important things about you. Because God put that inside. Now, this is interesting. You can walk through the mall with a bunch of people, and they have all different kinds of stores, right? They have camping stores. They have glamour stores. They have furniture stores. They have all And all of a sudden, somebody takes a right-hand turn. Oh, here's the health food store. And you're, like, looking for Cinnabon. <laughs> is that with me? Different interests. I think this is, I want to turn here and you want to turn here. You want to watch this channel and I want to watch this channel. And what we don't realize is that this stuff was, is imprinted by God. Now, I want to talk to you about a couple of things that I think can help because in Jeremiah it says this, Jeremiah 1, verse 5, he says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I set you apart. Uh, I made you a, a, a prophet. This was not something that you learned. So everybody look here for a second. You're, you aren't going through life trying to find something that you're passionate about. That's not how it works. Your passions are driving you even when you're unaware of it. And this is what's key. This stuff was planted in you. You don't go thinking, oh, I, I should get interested in sports. I should really get into art. No, it's in there, and you just you stumble into it, and then it just starts to flow. So I, I should really start to care about animals. No, it's already there. And you start to discover it. It starts to blossom on the inside of you. But let me tell you a couple things about your passions that will uh, be important. First of all is this. Your passions often are found by just the simple things that you're interested in. And also, they don't need to be, and I'll use this word, spiritual. This is where a lot of people lose it. They think, well, God wants me to be passionate about something that's related to church. Like the Apostle Paul, of course, we're talking about his because he's the Apostle Paul. And it's very, quote, spiritual in nature. Or I would give you an example because I'm a pastor and mine might relate to church or something. But that's not what it's about. We need all kinds of people with all kinds of passions to live their life with passion, with enthusiasm. Anybody ever go to the grocery store and meet the grumpy grocer? Anybody ever, you seen him? Have you seen this guy? I mean, this guy is really unhappy to be there. Have you seen him? Is the same one of yours? I mean, just... I mean, there's some great ones, but I mean, when you get to the grumpy one, it's brutal. How's it going? <laughs> and I, I, you know, I figured out what it is about some people that do their jobs with no love and no passion. Have you figured out what it is? I figured out what it is. They're saving it up. No, they're saving up all their celebrations for when they get home. See, they're reserving them. I can't know. 
I'd love to be happy, but you because there's only so much happiness. But when they get home, they just they're a bundle of joy. <laughs> Is this what's happening? Or do you think that same person probably it's they they believe that there's a limited amount. And if I give you any happiness, boy, no, they're not putting any love into what they're doing. This isn't just about, oh, I'm going to wait till I find the perfect job that I love, and therefore then I will do it with enthusiasm. I read a story this week about a bus driver who had a very ordinary job. He did a late night route, and he would drop people off as they were coming home from work. And it could have been the most mundane, ridiculous, boring job in the world. Just open the door, let them in, let them out. But he decided, because he saw these people, to build a relationship with them as much as they would allow him. And he'd start to say to them, you know what? Why don't you dump your day on me? Why don't you dump all your worries here so you don't have to take them home to your family? Anybody ever ever have a hard day at work and then the family knows it? Huh? Sure. Much like Jesus said, cast your cares on me, this guy said, just, just, you can go ahead, just unload on me. And that became his routine. And people became more and more comfortable with it. And they would just unburden all their problems on the bus ride home before they got home. How many know there was a guy that put passion into his work and said, you know, God's put me here for a reason. And if you begin, and I, we begin to understand that there's a reason that God put us here. As we've been saying in this whole series, your role in the body of Christ might be an internal organ, not real obvious to everyone at front. It might not be obvious to you. This is what's key. You might say, boy, my, my gift isn't really that public. It's not really getting a lot of fanfare. That's not what it's about. That You could be more essential because you're less visible. But it's doing that thing with passion. Putting passion into what you do. Figuring out that God put me here. I don't know why I'm here. I... I wanted to be over there, but for some reason, I am right here. Now, you've got a choice. If you're in this place, but you wanted to be in this place, you have a choice to make. And here's the choice. You can do it with the grumpy face, or you can get engaged in what you're doing. You can decide, you know what? I'm going to do, do this checkout the best that I can. I'm going to drive this bus the best way that I can. And here's the funny thing. You don't know where your passions will come into blossom someday. One of the funny things that happened years ago when Hurricane Katrina hit, we went down to help people that had all kinds of um, carnage in their, in their uh, lives, not just their homes being destroyed, but just carnage everywhere. And their communities and their whole, everything was turned upside down. We went to help this church, and I remember the pastor got so burnt out, he just up and left. He just quit. And we were from out of town. We were just trying to help and fill in. And this is, people's lives were completely destroyed. And you know what was funny? In the first, like, week, there were all these guys with boats. You know, it might mean, like, guys that are passionate about fishing. And they got way more fishing stuff than they need. Do you know what I'm talking about? 
like these guys, right? And they had, they all, they had all these boats. And the, the guys you'd look at like, oh, yeah, there they are, the fishing guys. And all of a sudden, all these guys started to get together and say, you know what? We could do something about this. And they got their boats, and they started going from one house to rescue somebody to the next house to the next house to the next house. And they were the first, they were the first wave that res- literally rescued people before anyone else could even get there. What I'm saying is this. It's not important what you're passionate about. It's important that you learn over time that your passions can benefit other people and they can be a blessing. I mean, Charlie started, I mean, she's two years old and I'm thinking somewhere between like a prize fighter, I get visions for her, you know what I mean? A pastoral prize fighter, you know? And all she wants to do is try on shoes. I can't work with that. I, have, I, don't, I don't know what to do. Is anybody with me? What you learn really early on is like, you don't create the passion. Someone else planted these things inside there. I could divert her. I could steer her away. It doesn't matter. She always goes for the glitter. Always. There are things that God puts inside of you. I started thinking about it. I started thinking about Charlie. You know, I started thinking about the, the story in the book of Esther, right? Where she wins this beauty contest. You think that's, that's a waste, right? She, something should be more significant than that. Charlie, you should get into something more significant. I'm not saying that's what she'll be. I don't know. Vicki ordered some hockey skates, by the way. <laughs> Only problem is they came yesterday, one skate in the box, just one. She's going to be very talented, very, very talented. I don't know what she's going to turn out to be. But then I read in the, in the book of Esther that when she did win this contest, then she was told perhaps it was for such a time as what? This. She was going to rescue her people. I, here's one thing. I don't understand other people's passions. People get so passionate about things, and I think they're nuts. Anybody with me? No, I mean, honestly, just to be honest, but that's, that's what's important about why we're different. I think the things that some people are so passionate about, I think, you're wasting your life. I literally want to have a conversation. Do you know you're wasting your life at the stamp store? Come join the rest of us, right? Or you're sewing or whatever. I, I don't under, there's things that I don't understand. But I'm not the creator. And this person has this passion, and this one has this passion, and this one has this one. So Paul got to the point with Peter where they went head to head. They stopped understanding each other's passions, and this will happen in life. This will happen. Somebody will have a passion for something, and you will not understand it, and it won't translate to you. Why do they care so much about it? Perhaps God put it in there. You're reading Galatians. Paul says to Peter, when, when I saw him, Galatians 2, verse 11, he says, I, I opposed him to his face. I got in his face. Paul might have been a little more feisty than we give him credit for as I'm reading him. But he, we had a passion for these Gentiles. He, wasn't, uh, he just wasn't willing to let anything come in front of it. 
And when he confronted with Peter, Peter was always, you know, reverting back to his, well, what about our Jewish brothers? And what about, how are they going to think about it? And anybody ever been in a meeting with somebody like this? You're like, you're trying to do something forward. And they're like, yeah, but what about corporate office? Understand this. The passion that you have for something, other people are not always going to share. This is true. And if God put it in there, then what you have to understand is it doesn't matter. If God put it in there, you just keep on pursuing it. And you keep pursuing it. And you keep pursuing it. That's what got Paul in so much physical trouble. Why would anybody take a 40 lashes, a whip over your back? He goes on to talk about he goes, I was left for dead several times. I was stoned. I was shipwrecked. I spent a day and a night in the open sea. Here's the better thing I want to think about. Wouldn't it be great to have that much passion in your life? Wouldn't it be, not wouldn't it be great to, to spend the day and a night in an open sea, not wouldn't it be great to have a, a, a whip across your back, but wouldn't it be great to care about something so much that you didn't care you did it anyway? Because after whip, whipping number three, I would quit. But deep inside, I believe every person is a passion. It almost comes as an instinct. In fact, this is what I found out. When you're passionate about something, you think people that aren't passionate about it are weird, different. It's instinctual to you. Or in other words, it's implanted by God. Before you were born, you start to discover it. When we get to Easter, which is around the corner, you, you know that the week of Easter they call the Passion Week because the word, the Latin passion is suffering. It's the same thing, suffering. In other words, when you have passion for something, you will happily and easily, what? You'll suffer for it. It will become instinctual. Anybody here ever do something for your, your child? You know, this, uh, this past week we got to go to um, vacation. We were down in Florida, and Charlie was like wanting to look at the fish. And the, so she wanted to sit up on this railing, and the fish were down, you know, and it was a little marina. And, and in my mind, I'm thinking, I, I'm like, I have a death grip on her because, you know, you don't want her to fall in there. I'm, I'm thinking in my mind all the ways I'm going to jump in how hard the, you know, it's going to hurt. It's just, even though I have a death grip on him. Anybody with me? But you, when you have to make these split-second decisions, you just make them. You don't think about it. You just what? Just make them. This is where Paul was. He had this passion to share the gospel with the, the Gentiles, and nothing was going to stop him. It just didn't matter. And so as I close, I want to read from... Uh, from Acts, where Paul talks about what he's about to endure. And he says, it doesn't matter. Because my life, this is what I want you to get. My life doesn't matter to me if I don't finish 
the task that God gave me. Being happy, having a nice retirement, getting my 401k settled, (laughs) these weren't things Paul thought about. Paul thought about, I have to, while I'm here, finish the task that God gave me. So when you think about Jesus and the passion, you think about Jesus dying for you and for me, nothing was going to stop him, nothing. Wasn't going to be dissuaded. Paul had the same passion, Acts 20. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I'm not getting my cards all figured out and straightened out and hedging all my bets and making sure that everything's settled good. I only know that in every city where the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. In other words, it's kind of become clear to me by the Holy Spirit that I'm going to prison. This is going to be a tough road. However, this is the key, however, this is the passion. I consider my life worth nothing to me if I don't finish the race, if I don't complete the task that he's given to me. That's the great however. It's the passion. So Vicky and I were talking about, what's, what was your favorite time on our vacation? We both agreed it was when Charlie fell asleep early. <laughs> and we, we, it was unanimous. And, and we love her. Did we mention we, but and, and we had a chance to talk. I mean, we just were sitting there talking. We were talking about how she grew up playing hockey. And, you know, what a unique, what a unique person, right? A female that grew up playing hockey, very accomplished at it, and then went into the building trades. And as you know, she's you know, one of uh, almost none, right? But God made her, what? Unique, special. And we were talking about that. Wow, isn't it weird that you got into that? What got you into building houses and all, there was just all men around you. And she, and, and she uh, found her path and her calling. And now that we're doing this together, she's blossoming and finding a whole new calling. And it's so interesting, your path. And we were talking about me. And I went to Bible school. And then I went to India. And I went to India with no plan and no money. And she's like, how, how did you do that? And this is why I said, I go, I didn't even think about it. I never thought about it. Like, you didn't have a, like, did your parents give you like a credit card in case things didn't go right? Like, no, no, we didn't have any of those. You just traveled around. Where did you sleep? I slept on someone's roof. I slept in an airport. I slept in a lot of people's homes that I didn't know. It seems a little crazy, we're saying. That seems a little crazy. I didn't think about it. Now, this is why I'm saying for a reason. You've done a lot of crazy things. You didn't even think about it. It was instinctual to you. That's key. You didn't think, you didn't think oh, I didn't tell her, look at this heroic thing. That I, I didn't think about it. I just like, got in a suitcase and started walking. I would land some airport. I had no idea. I would just pick up a suitcase like this and start walking. Some of those airports are a long way from the city. Huh? You may know where the Taj Mahal is? In, in India, the, I, I flew into the... The, the city where the Taj Mahal is, and just pick up my suitcase, and I start walking. All of a sudden, this guy comes by me on a scooter, pulls over on the side of the road, says, hey, do you need a ride? I go, sure. 
He takes me to his house and we have dinner. Huh? Well, that's, that happened now, like almost every day. But here's the thing. You don't have a plan. You just have a what? An instinct. An instinct. I'm not saying to lift me up. You have an amazing story. You have an amazing, you, you have an amazing story. You have something inside you that you, you don't even think twice about. I watched my dad. He would get under his semi and just start pulling parts off. I mean, it was a terrifying experience to me. There would just be springs and coils and cables and belts and stuff everywhere. And I'm like, do, do you know what you're doing? He goes, no, I'll figure it out. I think they have schools for that. You know what I mean? Like, maybe you should go. And he'd just start pulling stuff off. And then eventually, it would all get back on. This is something that terrifies me. I would never do. And I would never do in a million years. But some of you guys are like, well, of course. You just put the stuff back where you found it. Sounds easier than it's done, believe me. But you have a thing, and your thing matters. I just want to close with this because this is, I, I saw it the best. I was telling you the story about when we were down, down at uh, the Katrina Relief. I saw these guys with their trucks and, you know, it was like every guy with a four-wheel drive truck's dream. Why? Because I'm just going to, turn this into good, right? And they were hauling stuff and pulling stuff down and pushing stuff over, and it was, it was awesome. It was a chainsaw fest, you know, a guy doesn't love a good chainsaw, right? And everybody was putting all this, all their passions and putting in all the work, and there was all this good chemistry going on. And this lady came up to me, and she felt bad. She goes, you know, I came, I wanted to help. I, I'm not really good at that. And she was feeling bad because she wasn't fixing someone's roof, and I said, you know the thing is, you know what I saw you doing? She had an instinct. She'd go up on the porch, if there was a porch, or it was a neighbor's porch or someone nearby, and start talking to maybe the lady of the house. Just start talking to her. Next thing you know, I mean, if your life had been devastated, what would happen? Tears would start coming down their eyes. No one told her to do that. No one said, this is part of the plan. We're here to sit on the porch and talk to people. And No, no, we were there to help people, but... Her, her gut just told her, I should go talk to this lady. I said, do you think this person did more good than this person? I don't think so. I think God put you there for what? For a reason. Here, let me close. Pay attention to what's in here. Pay attention to it. God put that stuff in there. It may be a simple thing that you feel a compassion to talk to somebody or to pray for somebody, or to care for somebody. It doesn't matter. Or just to fix up their house. It doesn't matter. You pay attention to the stuff that's in here. Because the chances are, this comes from God. The question is not, is it visible? The question is, is it beneficial? Can you use it to bless and to better our world? And then what you'll find out is, you will never feel as fulfilled and as full as when you're doing your gift, as when you're giving it to the world.